So I made it really clear. I am not going to play the game where we stop talking about the COVID flu. And today I'm joined with by one of the most heroic medical whistleblowers in our country's history, uh, Dr. Peter Bregan, who has blown the whistle on Big Pharma on multiple occasions and was, in fact, one of the only doctors to say, hey, it's not a good idea to stab an ice pick up inside your eyelid and decimate your prefrontal cortex. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. And we've all heard too much of this guy's voice. There is a degree of anti-science healing in this country. Um, And I think it is not just related to science, it's almost related to authority and a mistrust in authority that spills over because in some respects, scientists, because they're trying to present data may be looked at, looked upon as being authoritative figure. Really? Is that right, Tony? In this past week, all of a sudden, Friday, the CDC revised its risk formula. And with that single press of a button, the so-called pandemic went from being 90% of the United States to less than 30% with the click of a button. Um, the mRNA shots, turns out, in a massive study, Raise the risk of COVID infection in kids under 12. Raise it. Uh, The VARS database has received more than 500 reports of life-threatening interactions with these ridiculously useless drugs, this code, this genetic gene sequencing device, uh, permanent disability or deaths in kids and adolescents. And this is a CDC that, that knows these things and is telling us, oh, we can't release all the data on the Pfizer test for 75 years. And that's the FDA. And you have Fauci out pretending this is a bit ago. He had no clue what Marsha Blackburn was talking about. I want to get to the political attacks. You're, you have become uh, uh, you've been sort of become a caricature on the right. Um, there's some really wild, fantastical conspiracies. I got to play one because it's a, a sitting United States senator, uh, Marsha Blackburn. Uh, I think we have a, a sound of this. Let's let's play that one. Here are some facts that I want you to know. First of all, yes, Dr. Fauci was emailing with Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook, trying to create that narrative, cherry picking information so that you would only know what they wanted to know you to know. And there would be a narrative that would fit with this cherry picked information. I don't even know where to begin, but it's a sitting United States senator. It's the most what I would call the most extreme version of of, of what I've heard. You've got Kevin McCarthy right. doing his own version of this. Marco Rubio, you, you're aware of the critiques. Um, how, you've been debunking this. How do you debunk something like that? She's got it in her own head. 
Again, a United States senator that represents the state of Tennessee. What do you say to that? You know, Chuck, I don't, I have, I don't have a clue of what she just said. I don't have a clue of what she's talking Neither about. Neither did we. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, welcome to the club. I have no idea what she's talking well, about. Well, let me help you out. We do know what she was talking about because the information, we have the memos. With that man, Fauci, and the disgraced pseudo-evangelical pro-abortion Francis Collins, who ran the National Institute of Health, handing money over to the Chinese Communist Party to do gain-of-function research, they teamed up to make sure that Facebook hid things, like what appears now to be a fact that the mRNA injection reverse transcribes itself into your DNA, which Mark Zuckerberg knew. Apparently, because Mark Zuckerberg, when he didn't know he was being recorded, said the problem with this stuff is we don't know how it affects the DNA. What it does to our DNA, he said it on audio. So what Marsha Blackburn was saying is not a conspiracy theory and it's easy to track down. It's it's we have Fauci and Collins in writing attempting to control the flow of information. Facebook admitted it. They weren't going to let us see anything that was CDC unapproved. That's the state of things. Joining me now is a gentleman who has made a career of looking out for us in terms of calling big pharma out and and big medicine. He was one of the only doctors, if not the only, to stand up and say the ice pick lobotomy is a bad idea. And big pharma is not our friends. He's written a new book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, we are the prey. Dr. Peter Bregan joins us on the Todd Herman Show. Todd, um, I was nervous about coming on because my wife and I have uh, admired you for years um, and listening to you on Rush uh, many, many times. And um, I was actually a little uneasy uh, because I thought, oh my gosh, and we thought about Rush and all these feelings about about this interview. I'm very, very proud and pleased to be talking with you, sir. Well, thank you, doctor. And, and uh, I talked to you a little bit off the air and you've meant so much to uh, my wife and I in, in, in terms of taking on Big Pharma and, and your new book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. I'll talk about that obviously today, but you were sharing with me that you have, um, you have breaking news about the World Health Organization wants to seize control of our health. Yes. Um, things are getting quieter in the world, in the COVID world. We have the distraction of the uh, assault by, by Putin going on now. But underneath all of this, we think we've uncovered what the, the major threat is. We've been wondering, we've been looking. Our book, uh, COVID-19, The Global Predators, is about the origins of the threat. And the COVID is just a cover-up for forces that actually do want to turn our governments into uh, authoritarian puppets that they can control and that uh, China can control and that Bill Gates can control. It's an unlikely coalition, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, uh, Michael Bloomberg, the UN, who, and China, but it's very, very real. We, we never expected to find it. And that coalition now, I think, has made its next move it began in March of last year, but I'll go right to the breaking news. On January 24th of this year, just a few weeks ago, Tedros addressed the executive committee 
of the World Health Organization, which is, remember, an agency of the UN and really an ally of the Chinese communists, but also, we can document this further on, an ally of Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. And what uh, what the Tedros announced was that the uh, COVID-19 had really made clear that something more than just even preparation and response to epidemics was needed, that what was needed was a global universal health care with who in charge. This is so stunning that I uh, want to read to you some of Tedros's comments and then the U.S.'s response. The U.S. has been very closely involved in these negotiations uh, going back at least a year, and so has the EU, the two great powers of the uh, Western failing democracies. In his uh, address, which he has also put pieces up of his videos, you can see him actually saying these words on his tweets, he puts them up. He talked about the priorities for the basically the New World Health Order, And he says the fifth priority is to urgently strengthen WHO as the leading and directing authority on global health at the center of the global health architecture. So I'm going to repeat it because it is so stunning. The fifth priority is to urgently strengthen WHO as the leading and directing authority on global health at the center of the global health architecture. So this is not about getting ready for pandemics. This is much bigger. And at the end of his uh, presentation, he ends with some clever words. And they're the kind of words where you could see, uh, you could see a fascist dictator uh, raising his right arm and uh, announcing this to applauding uh, uh, people with outstretched arms. He says, we are one world. We have one health. We have one who. That's his closing remark. It is fairly terrifying. I I. I, I tend to laugh with anxiety when I read it. The, within it, he has uh, key words, key phrases that mean an enormous amount nowadays. And one of them is useful and equitable access to medical solutions. Equity. That is, he wants all of us to be equitable. That means that the level of our health care will deteriorate to make things equitable. That's how communism, fascism, totalitarianism operates, because they don't make anything. They don't build and create great health systems. Wherever they go, they reduce what there is to a common level of despair, and the elites reach a new height of imperial Uh, wealth and power, and that is exactly what's going on. He talks about a, quote, stronger international health framework with who as the authority, with who at the top he's talking about, on global health matters. 
and he uh, repeats a theme of, of One Health. Now, One Health, you got to learn the code words. It's not an easy uh, language to get into. And One Health is a CDC principle. Now I'm reading from a special page of the CDC, and um, they talk about One Health is the idea that the health of people is connected to the health of animals and our shared environment. So right away, you're into the snail darter, you know, we had in the U.S. uh, They found it in a big dam operation to bring water to the southwest, and they stopped the dam operation because there was a snail in jeopardy. Yep. Uh, The shared environment means, of course, uh, the whole Great Reset and the whole big emphasis, this is the Great Reset, on the so-called climate change. And again, on the CDC, we have a communist-like motto on their page, when we protect one, we protect all. Um, Now, who has been supporting this development all along? Um, It has the entire support of a man named Mitchell, who is the um, head of the European Council. Michelle, excuse me, who's the head of the uh, European uh, Council, who is the priorities setting for the European Union. The European Union, on several websites and several different ways, has signed on to these general principles and also. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, Angela Merkel, who probably both went through uh, the training programs that that Schwab does. Boris Johnson is sound on. Um, So, Dr. Bregan, I want to make sure people consume what you're saying, um, because I feel like in a way, We've people have been hit with shock and awe that it's almost difficult to reshock them. But let's yes. let's go through some things. And this is apparent, you know, as, as you read your new book, and we have a link to that in the podcast notes up on Substack to this book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey, and Dr. Bregan's other books about big pharma, and they're not our friends. And Dr. Bregan has been a whistleblower and an expert on this for uh, longer than than um, than most people last in, in two careers. Um, what is so disturbing about this to me is, is this is the same World Health Organization that went so far as to say there is no such thing as herd immunity without big pharma. Did, did that surprise you knowing what you know about big pharma or is that just par for the course for what these people want to do to us? Well, I know, you know, I've been jaded over the years. I was the medical expert and early 1990s, uh, the scientific expert for the combined Prozac suits against Eli Lilly. We wrote talking, my wife and I, we wrote talking back to Prozac, our first bestseller out of that. But yes, this has been shocking to me. Every step of the way that we've gone into this, we have been shocked first by the degree of planning, the entire plan unfolding as something new in 2020 for COVID-19 was begun in-depth planning in 2010, 10 years earlier, when Gates, whoever he thought he was, successfully announced the decade of vaccines. And then in 2012, got the UN to go along with him, and he announced it with Klaus Schwab, and he put Fauci on his vaccine board, a very small elite globalist group, 2010. So it 
it surprises me to see this unfolding, but it does not surprise me because we have been confronting a level of evil, a level of people cooperating, collaborating, organizing to use vaccines and the fear of epidemics as their core attack on the American democracies. And, you know, I've testified in, in court Todd, over a hundred times in the U.S. and Canada and in uh, federal and state courts, you don't do that if they can pull out a book where you're a conspiracy theorist, where you can look at my 20-plus books, some of them co-author with Ginger, my yeah. 70 scientific articles. And, you know, if I, if I had been a person who at an earlier age had been talking this way or thought this way, I would have not had this impact. I would not have been involved in so many important legal cases, some of them really changing directions in a positive way. So for us and my wife, Ginger and I, to be looking at this depth of organized attack on global, globally on the democracies. And I, I want to make a slight aside on this because people who haven't heard this before will think conspiracy theories. Um, let me make three or four points about conspiracies. First of all, we have antitrust legislation going back to the robber barons, some of the early globalist predators. Antitrust is anti-conspiracy legislation. Conspiracies are into our law and provide a fundamental aspect of how we try to control oppression. Then uh, we developed the, um, uh, against the mafia, the conspiracy criminal laws, because we know the mafia planned and planned underground and, and had international organizations, took over city governments, uh, controlled the good parts of Boston and good parts of New York. So folks, don't let the communists control you by making you believe nobody conspires. When the progressives and the communists have been doing this for years, and that is how they've infiltrated our schools, our government, our health system. So whenever you hear somebody say it's a conspiracy theory, you need to know that somebody stuck it to them in a way that matters and they're squealing. Yes. That's what this is about. And so it's Todd, a, you inspire me. I'm, I'm talking well, clearer than I've done before on this conspiracy business. Uh, the, the craziest thing about this career is to get to meet people like you and to, uh, to get to communicate with you. Uh, it's, it's such an honor. And let me say this, that about conspiracy theories, you would have to believe that rich people with incredible amounts of power and leverage over countries don't use that. That's that's what you'd have to believe that they don't do that in order to believe that they wouldn't do something like this. And we'll continue uh, with the discussion with Dr. Peter Bregan in, well, just a few seconds. We can't do discussions like this. Number one, without you. God bless you for supporting us. Uh, number two, without the sponsors of the program. And I am so unbelievably honored to have Bone Frog Coffee working with us, uh, Tim Cruikshank and his crew. Uh, by the way, Bone Frog Coffee is, first of all, coffee. I mean, we don't get on here and, and ask people to support products that aren't great products. There's an iconic coffee roaster named Dave Stewart, and you can go research what he's done in the industry. Um, he helps create the blends 
Uh, he mentors, he roasts coffee for bone frog. Um, that's, you know, job number one is make the product excellent. I am telling you bone frog is the best coffee I've ever had. I won't drink other coffees now. Secondly, God country team. These are the values of bone frog coffee. They're not going to change. They're not negotiable. And Tim Cruikshank has said it on our program that never changes. So we had another coffee company owned by veterans and they were going to be big second amendment people. Well, until Kyle Rittenhouse needed his second amendment. And at that point, they didn't just turn their back on him. It's my recollection. They sort of attacked him. That, that can't happen with bone frog coffee. It is uh, seal owned. Uh, Tim is 25 years in the Navy, uh, Navy seal as well. And bone frog itself, the bone frog is a sacred symbol in SEAL teams. It represents people who sacrificed their lives for our freedom and for our way of life in America, which is, you know, obviously at risk in, in today's global environment, but not when we have people like uh, Tim and Bone Frog Coffee, who as well give proceeds to the families of our fallen heroes. So it starts with the coffee. You go to bonefrog.us. And purchase there and go try every one of these. In fact, there's subscriptions you can sign up for that you just, you, you get it. It's sent to you. You forget it. You've got fresh coffee every day. This is the very best coffee I've ever had. And every time you drink it, take a look at the bone frog symbol and remind yourself who you're supporting as coffee helps you wake up like it does me. So that's bonefrog.us. And it's a company you can feel great about supporting who also, of course, makes it possible for us to do long-form interviews like we're doing here with Dr. Peter Bregan, who, for a reason, has been called the conscience of psychiatry. Now, one of the leading consciences relates to the COVID flu. And more specifically, Big Pharma, what's being done to us at a global level. We'll continue chatting with Dr. Peter Bregan. As I opened up your book and read, um, and I began to go through what you and your wife, Ginger, have cataloged through this book, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, We Are the Prey. Um, I've been obsessed with this for two years, and um, I want to get into the book and the contents of it, particularly around Wuhan and and your your belief. I want to ask you if you think it came out of the lab and if you're, if you're convinced of that. But I wanted to say this. Um, as a media person, where it hit me, Dr. Bregan, was I've never seen a more coordinated media coverage in my life. Right. The word, yeah. I, I talked to a, a colleague of yours, um, a Harvard University epidemiologist, um, who shared with me, he was shocked. And he's a, he's, a, he's a Swedish socialist. He was shocked to hear the media start saying cases, cases, cases. And case used to mean something, Dr. Bregan. It used to mean that you would confirm someone had a disease. You had cultured a virus. You'd done something. To, but I saw that. That's what, that's what immediately clued me into. This is a global conspiracy because the media is going to dutifully now talk about cases, which is a meaningless statistic. But then the attack on the Epic Times, you mentioned this in your book, the Epoch Times, uh, comes out with a piece saying this came from the Wuhan lab. They quoted um, viral experts and experts on on um, on the epidemiology and how these drugs are or how these uh, viruses can be constructed. Was that a big moment for you where you saw this crushing of the theory that this came from the Wuhan lab? 
let me get to that in a minute. Yeah. I'll say in advance, um, that was the first thing we actually knew with certainty was that it came from the Wuhan lab. Okay. So I'll explain to you why that was. That was actually the first certainty. And it's one of the things that made us go into this area. Um, I haven't mentioned the U.S.'s involvement in who and what is going on here. Okay. The U.S., and this will be brief, but horrifying. The U.S. has been supporting this effort through its various stages going back into last year. The material that I just read to you was announced on January 24th. That was when when uh, Tedros laid it all out in his barest, most essential, authoritarian, totalitarian, global, universal healthcare under the UN control, World Health Organization control. When he laid that out, is January 24th. On January 26th, two days later, our mission to this group it's called the U.S. Mission. I'm reading from it now, reading from its formal publication. U.S. Mission to the International Organizations in Geneva, or in short, it says, by the U.S. Mission Geneva. And the title is Strengthening Who Preparedness for the Response in Health Emergencies, and so on. And it goes on to say in the body that this has been delivered, and it says the United States strongly supports the ongoing efforts to strengthen who and make it more agile, comma, transparent, comma, mm. and efficient. So the U.S. is supporting the thrust of who. And the method that which this would get implemented, you know, we have a U.S. Congress, we have a Senate, but it doesn't take that to make a treaty in terms yep. of what who and international law consider a treaty. So one of the things I, I spent some time before I released all this information researching, according to the World Health Organization, any of two or three major officials in a government, such as the president or the secretary of state, can sign a document making it an official treaty with the United Nations that will be upheld by international law. Furthermore, the secretary of state can empower, it's called, give him total powers for the treaty, total powers. It's, this, is, this is in the official uh, basis of the United Nations. Any one person on behalf of the Secretary of State can sign and it becomes a valid treaty. Um, what people don't know is that in a formal early meeting, President Joe Biden and John Kerry his uh, weather czar or <laughs> yeah. climate czar and an enemy of the United States since he came back from uh, as a young man and, and from Vietnam and young men like me heard him say how evil we were and we were murdering people and raping people and cutting off their noses and it was testified in his deeds before Congress. Found influence on me as a young man to, to, to doubt my country and to stir up hatreds toward my own country. Well, he, Kerry and Biden announced that um, the um, Great Reset was government policy. And then Kerry went on to say that when Americans voted for Biden, they voted for the Great Reset. Yep. Folks, these are facts. This is documented in our book. 
Um, by the way, which you can get anywhere online and, and other places. You can just uh, click our podcast notes. It's on Substack. There's a link right. by Dr. Began's books. Um, in, in terms of what they're. So let me go to yeah. what you raised if you want, Todd. Yeah, about the, the, the coordinated media and the Epic Times and the attack. Yes, Dr. Began. Yeah, and the fact, and you asked me whether, when I knew that, where, where the, where it come from. We were, we were, I, you know, I've missed, I have, I've had this and still have a, this reputation as being a conscience of psychiatry. Yep. And I thought that's the, that's the work I would go to God with and go to Pearly Gates with. Yes. <laughs> this is what I've done. This is what I've done. I stopped lobotomy from coming back. I've been fighting shock treatment. I've been devoting me and my wife, our lives against the drugging of children, which is so against the whole family principle, the whole raising of children ideal of American life. And so um, we thought that's what it was going to be. And we were nervous about entering into um, taking on COVID-19. I, I was 82 at the time. I'm 84 now. Maybe I'm 85. <laughs> I've lost track. You look 70 to me. You look 70. I, I don't know what I am anymore. Yeah. But uh, it's a second lifetime for me and for Ginger and what we're doing. And what turned the tide on what we were going to do is we were listening to this discussion of back in March. Well, where did this come from? This, this, this might have come from the Wuhan Institute. We heard there were Chinese doctors who, who had disappeared because they say this was made by the military in, in one of their institutions, one of their military institutes, the Wuhan Institute folks. You may not know, it was a military institute. The director of the Wuhan Institute is a woman who is also the the most uh, respected Chinese biological warfare expert. It's all tied together in China. There's nothing separate from from warfare in China, certainly not research on pandemics yep. and vaccines and all of which are related to weaponry, either offensive or defensive. So... Uh, we're looking at this and, and we're wondering what's going on. We know Fauci's a fraud because he announced himself as an expert in science, the he, authority he, on science. He is and science. He is science. Attacking me is attacking science itself. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and we knew, we knew that made him like a furor, not yes. a scientist. Right. There are no, there are no ultimate authorities in science, a very dynamic process science. Very human, very interactive, very dynamic, very full of controversy, and in the field of public health, full of ignorance and stupidity, <laughs> more than most places, because it's so big and complicated, yeah. millions and billions of people factors involved. So Ginger brings to me, we're on the fence, it's, it's March, and Ginger brings to me a paper. She said, I, I got a hint of this paper on, online somewhere, I found it, I got it, here's the paper. And we look at it, and first thing I want to when was it published? Published 2015. That is, is published five years before the outbreak. And in the headline, the scientific paper has the word SARS-CoV. They're making SARS-CoV viruses in labs. Wait, why isn't this a headline in the New York Times? So then we look a little further at it, and it's... Uh, then uh, it's being conducted mainly out of uh, what is now, we know, a very uh, central place, Fauci's favorite place for funding, at North Carolina, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. We, we don't know any of the names. It's all in the list, and then something stands out. 
there are uh, there are two Chinese authors on it. Well, maybe they're Chinese Americans. So we go back and we look at the, you know number four. You know, at the top, you go down, and then you look for number four. Where are they from? Oh, the Wuhan Institute of Technology. Ginger and I turn and we look at each other. Wait a minute, 2015, we're, um, we have a collaborative project making SARS-CoV viruses with the Chinese. And uh, they're obviously intimately involved. We're looking here at the scribes who's doing what research. The Chinese labs are involved. And we, we're saying it's a conspiracy theory to imagine that this thing was made in the lab, that it couldn't be done. And then, then we may have looked at each other. This is fiction now, and said, "What was the name of that guy? Who's Fauci? Is what? What's his institute? National Institute of uh, Oh God, Allergy and Infectious Disease? Well, let's look and see who's fun. Oh my God, Gingery's funding this thing. NIAID's funding it." Oh, okay. So this is the sort of truth telling uh, that requires a lot of supports to continue. It starts with you guys supporting the show, sharing episodes like this um, so that people can hear the voice of a man like Dr. Bregan. Also, it comes with the support of our friends who are themselves truth tellers. My friend Zach Abraham, the chief investment officer at Bulwark Capital Management, is such a truth teller. He's told us about the corruption of the financial industry. He's named names um, of who are the corrupt players in the financial industry. How are they corrupt? What are they doing? How does it affect us? How does it affect our retirement? And knowing something is not powerful, right? That there's a myth that one of the biggest myths in the world is that information is power. It's simply not. Information is potential power. And Zach uses the information and his years of experience in finance to be financial stewards for people with an obsessive focus on risk management, particularly as you near retirement. Those decisions get more risky the closer you get to retirement. That's why they focus on that, right? And his radio show is called Know Your Risk Radio. You can see it at knowyourriskradio.com. Right now, Zach is helping a huge number of people retire early, right? Because once you're locked into retirement, you can have a lot of things settled in your mind. Right. Maybe it's a second career. Maybe you're being called to move to a portion of freer America or perhaps even free America. Right. So maybe you're being called to do that or mission work or just spending more time with family. All those things are possible in an early retirement. If you don't know if that's a possibility for you, find out. Simply call Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management and ask him to run the numbers and he'll tell you if it's not now, when is it? Here's the phone number, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. And just like Dr. Bregan, Zach is a truth teller. And that's what some of the, one of the huge things we appreciate about him. This is an episode to share, folks. This is truth spoken boldly. We'll continue our discussion here with Dr. Peter Bregan. Then we look further. One of the people involves an FDA person. One of them is a Harvard University person. They're all working with China. We didn't know then that China is the founding partner announced so by the Harvard University School of Public Health. We didn't know about all these connections. 
Um, so well, we were stunned by this. We had to do a lot of boning up, using dictionaries, getting really into this. My wife is brilliant. She loves reading scientific articles. Um, she's, she's already explaining to me what some of the language is because she got fascinated by this. And so we, um, we knew some people who knew the Trump family very closely. So we did a blog. We did a, a video on about April 13th, 14th. Took us a month to get our act together, make sure you're absolutely right. Announcing this, also announcing that there was some real hazards here because when they tried in these experiments to make vaccines, they couldn't they do too well because there were so many mutations that the SARS-CoV virus, they'd never been a vaccine for. We already discovered that, that the common cold was 10% caused by these these coronaviruses and you, and they just mutate too much. You can't make it, you just can't make it. And then I'm reading, I'm looking, my God, honey, they, they say that the, the rats they were experimenting with, they put human epithelium into the, into the lungs of the rats there. And, uh, and they're experimenting with them and they're giving them SARS-CoV, not SARS-CoV-2, but it's acting just like SARS-CoV. It's causing the older mice to die, not the younger. It's clinically very similar. It's causing these big inflammatory reactions. And then, oh my God, the, the rats, the, the mice that are older or vulnerable physically, if they've been vaccinated, they die on exposure to COVID. I said, honey, this is a brewer's nest of a disaster. They're talking about making, they're going to have vaccines. And this is a five-year-old article that it, that if you vaccinate a mouse and expose them to COVID, the vulnerable ones are going to die. And so we released all of this, or pretty much all of it in a video and in a blog, the blog went right away to 50,000, which was a lot for us. And the, the YouTube went way up right away, too. And uh, two days later, Trump had a press guy. We sent it to all the media we knew. And we knew a lot of media from all the work I'd done for years. And we'd done together, Ginger and I, for 40 years. And um, Trump announced he was canceling the funding of Wuhan Institute by Fauci's program. And none of the press covered it. None of them. I don't even think that conservative press got the meaning of this. And of course, what we learned later is that nobody cancels Anthony Fauci. <laughs> right. He, he, this, Obama had tried and couldn't do it. And, and so had, uh, I mean, yeah, Obama tried to pull the funding and Fauci is such a creature of DC. Um, and Dr. Bregan, you probably know, I refer to this as the party. Um, to me, the party is big pharma. It's big media. It's tech. It's academia in the deep state. All the players are in this. Your book, All the players are in this. your book makes so clear that that what the story you just told, but to hear you tell it um, personally is absolutely chilling. Um, in the few minutes that we have with you, and I know we're going to we're going to have Dr. Bregan on again because I cannot wait to dig into to part two of this, and I can't emphasize enough your role. This is so important; people must understand this. And Dr. Bregan, this is how I try to explain this to people. This man you're hearing from went to the medical community and said. It is not a good idea to take a metal rod and stick it in someone's eyelid and jam it into their brain. 
And there were people who were saying, no, this is a Nobel Prize winning technique to jam a metal rod, an ice pick into someone's brain. And your colleagues were saying, oh, this is miraculous. And that got covered as a miracle. And a man like Bregan, this Dr. Bregan, brave enough to stand up at that point, is standing up now to tell you, you are the prey. And to read the book, to understand we are the prey. Dr. Bregan, who are the predators? I described the party. I just described it to you. Who are? You described them well. Okay, that's that's the predators. Do we have a minute? Do we have a a minute for a Rush story? For a Rush Limbaugh story? You better believe it. Yeah, Yeah, of course. God rest Rush. um, It's one of the most important moments in my life. It was, it had to have been in 1994. We had just published Talking Back to Prozac and it was on the bestseller list. And I got a phone call from a producer. He said, "Um, Dr. Bregan, uh, we never invite guests onto the Rush Limbaugh uh, show, but Rush has asked me to invite you to come on. Can you come on at such and such a date? And I, I, got, I just got a chill, actually, Todd. I just got a chill thinking about it. And I said, uh, yeah, of course, we'll come on a Rush Limbaugh yes. show. And I, um, I don't even know. I think I was a mixed up pro- pro- progressive turning into a conservative at the time. But maybe I'd made the transition array. I was, I was, I'd become a libertarian by then. Yeah. And later I would get even wiser and become more conservative. But I said, sure, I'll come on. Well, I went on the Rush Limbaugh show and I was on for half an hour talking with Rush. And he said to me along the way, he said, Dr. Bregan, I was depressed a year or two ago. And it'd be amazing to try to find that show. Maybe you could. God, we could replay it. I, I never thought of that in my life, replaying that show. And he said, um, and they told me to take an antidepressant. And I said, no. I'm going to change my life. And I did. Now, that just blew me away. When the show was over, we had an um, answering machine in our home at that point. And, you know, it was a great moment for me. And when the show was over, the answering machine started ringing or started in the middle, started in the middle. It didn't stop for two days. We got two days of consecutive calls tying up the people waiting to call the answering machine. And it was, it was literally one of the greatest moments of, of my life. It was astonishing. It, it, Could you find that, Todd? Could uh, you find I will that? ask my friends at EIB to find that for you. Uh, yeah. And I was going to show you this because you get a kick out of it. This is, um, this, yeah. uh, okay, so this, this pack uh, was outside the Southern Command, outside of Russia's studio. I'm showing uh, Dr. Bregan my EIB plaque, my, my prized possession. Um, Institute for Advanced Conservative yeah, Studies, yeah, EIB. This, this was placed on the wall outside I of Rush's uh, home studio. And they sent this to me um, after, after Rush passed. Um, when we have you on again, I would like very much to talk with you about Big Pharma's design here. Uh, because these mRNA injections, and I've been saying, because I, I did a crazy thing, Dr. Bregan, and forgive me for engaging in conspiracy. I read the SEC filings for Moderna and Pfizer. And wow. I read it and it pointed out that it said in the filings, these are not designed to stop infection or transmission. And I said, well, then those aren't vaccines. And then, of course, Tony Fauci's in charge of the, uh, of the English language and global language has changed the definition of vaccine 
when we have you back on, I want to dig into this, but I want to ask you quickly. This is my my nightmare is I'm reading now kids uh, who take these injections are more prone to get infected. I'm reading about uh, antigen dependent, um, antigen enhanced uh, dependency or uh, the development of uh, inability to fight this, these viruses. I'm reading about theories now that's in fact, this isn't even a theory. This is an in, in vitro test that they took these in the, the contents of these injections into human cells. And Dr. Bregan, that, that this mRNA is reverse transcribing itself into our DNA. Um, I was kicked off of Facebook for a week for calling these genes, calling them gene sequencing devices. Does big pharma, do they want a gene sequencing hook in, in a global population? Is there, is, is, is that part of this that they want to be able to manipulate genes on a global basis? Well, you know, you know so much, Todd, you probably remember the president of Moderna talking about how basically he's reprogramming, uh, this is a reprogramming of the human genome. They clearly want to do this. And um, and again, all this is so beyond anything I ever imagined talking about. Um, I'm so glad that that you know about reverse transcription. we predicted, and we're not alone in this. This is not like when I was the conscience of psychiatry. There are millions of consciences now of, of COVID-19, hundreds and hundreds of doctors are doing this. But we, we knew that the risk was there. They knew the risk was there. So I'm, and all the risks that they knew were there made us decide, and this is awful, that they knew exactly what they were doing. And, and because, for example, go ahead. It's horrible. See, that's the piece, Dr. Bregan, that I, I, as much as I've seen, I've seen them lie about our immune system. I saw them lie about these being vaccines. I saw them lie about masks working. I saw them lie about Wuhan. Um, I saw them lie about um, age uh, stratification. Uh, Fauci pretended in a passive way that everyone was at risk for this. Then he was pretending that the next shot will work and then the next booster will work. They'll still, they're still pretending it works. They're, they were pretending that they didn't have the so-called vaccine passports, the traveling papers planned. Pfizer was working with the Chinese Communist Party a year before this stuff came out to to help power these injection passports. Are you telling me that do you do you believe that Big Pharma knew that this stuff is going to kill the vulnerable? Do you think that Pfizer, Moderna, did they, I mean, is it that level of evil? I've got at least a 10 scientific articles showing that they had to know Fauci funded research was showing that the um, vaccines were too dangerous in animals to give to humans. And in 2020, and we have it in the book, and in the chronology, we have a huge chronology of the book to make it easy to go find things, um, and a thousand citations, more, many more than a thousand citations. As of 2020, as they were rolling out the, um, the entire program of rushing through the vaccines, a Fauci-funded article came out from a major uh, journal saying these are too dangerous to give to humans. They knew everything. It's not true there wasn't enough research to know. They knew everything. A chapter, of your, that, book, that is, a chapter of your book lays out the charges against Fauci. And yeah. <laughs> I was just watching as I was prepping to interview you. I just found this clip of Fauci pretending to be astonished that people would want him jailed. 
But if, 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 if what you and I've observed and I'm glad he's heard that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think it'd look good in orange. Uh, if what we're observing is now, as you broke the news on the program today, the organization that pushed this and correct me, correct me if I get any of this wrong. The World Health Organization has pushed the psychosomatics uh, into the heads of kids. They want to distribute, want as many kids as possible on addictive antidepressants and anti-anxieties. Um, the World Health Organization has pushed to put wrong sex hormones in the bodies of children against parental wishes. Um, now in the state of Washington, there's a bill being considered, Dr. Bregan, that makes it an act of domestic violence to not call your girl a boy. And you can be you 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 can be convicted of being a domestic violence um, parent. I hadn't heard that. That's unbelievable. Right, and 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 it's already the case that in the separate countries of Washington and Oregon, um, kids can get uh, reverse sex uh, surgeries against parental wishes, but the parents have to pay. World Health Organization backed. World Health Organization backed the shutdown of specific industries. Some, not others. Abortions continued. Um, schools were shut down. They pretended we don't have herd immunity, that it can't be done without drugs. It, that's tantamount to saying we don't have an immune system. You broke the news today that that organization would be in charge of our health. I would seem to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that that would indicate that we will be seeing a global sort of vaccine passport for access to anything global. Oh, way beyond that. We'll be looking at communist China running our healthcare system. I mean, that's where it goes. We'll be part of the communist empire within 10 years if the globalists have their way. And I've never quite said it like that before, but there is no question that's the direction they're going in. Again and again, I tie every single one of these people Fauci, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, Michael Bloomberg, the top tech companies, the owners and, and creators of the top tech companies, the big banks, companies from McDonald's to Nike, who all see communist China as overtaking the U.S. They are all, all of them backing the U.S., backing China, and in fact, specifically meeting together in conferences aimed at undoing the Trump administration so that we could recouple with China and, and give them back their conduit to this corrupt money they make in a country that is a slave state. As so so well that. said. Um, let me wrap it this way because I want people to understand the stakes. Um, not that you didn't just make it very clear, but I speak now specifically to your colleagues in medicine. Okay. There are some brave people who begun to speak up um, and the, many of them wrote great, great things about your book. Dr. Peter McCullough um, has, has written about your book and, and uh, um, Dr. Malone has written, uh, in fact, has words in your book. Not Dr. Malone, Dr. Zelenko. Uh, Zelenko, pardon me, Dr. Zelenko. When you stood up and said, no, don't bring back the lobotomy. Why did more doctors at that point not join with you to say, yes, this is insane. Why would we do that? And is it worse now for doctors to speak against the COVID predators? 
in 19, was 1972, and I stood up and said, a doctor's finally going to say no to mutilating brains of people to make them more docile and blunted and non-complaining and robotic. I was, I was going to devote my life uh, to doing that. I thought that would be my big, my big thing in life. And um, I succeeded without the help of a single well-known university professor or a single well-known leader in American medicine or American psychiatry. Instead of being what I imagined being the youngest president of the American Psychiatric Association, I became the youngest person with a target on his back from the American Psychiatric Association. Years later, my wife Ginger's explained it in a couple of different ways. One, this was the first big attack on a trans... Um, Humanism. You know, the whole, the, 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 trans, the whole, yeah, the whole thing of taking over human beings and transforming them into non-human beings under the control of other people. They were using electrodes then. I connected them to, uh, to uh, fascist uh, uh, doctors, literally fascists from Spain who'd gotten medals in Spain who were helping our Harvard professors control patients with electrodes in their heads back in the 70s. So it was the beginning of transhumanism. It was uh, the beginning of the first time it was ever stopped. And that was part of it. I found out there was funding for this coming from a federal government, from a specialized agency of the Department of Defense called, called the, uh, oh God, I forget what it was even called yeah. back then. Um, so I was shocked way back then. But the fear in the eyes of doctors is nothing like it is today. If I so much as talk to a friendly doctor here in Ithaca, maybe I'm, you know, visiting him with uh, taking mom, Ginger's mom in for a visit. And I so much as say, um, I've got some qualms about the vaccines or worse yet. Are we, uh, yeah, mom, we, yeah, mom is on uh, hydroxychloroquine. It was recommended as a preventive during this part of the, uh, the um, uh, pandemic. I get a look of a sweet, gentle person, male or female, nurse or doctor, that turns to hatred and, and fierce, fierce anger that is quickly covered up yeah. and the conversation stops. I have never seen that before, and we are seeing it everywhere in the country now. So maybe one parting thought is none of these doctors will ever send in an adverse reaction to the uh, vaccines. They will never write to the CDC and say, and I can talk more about this a second time, and say that uh, there are uh, that we just had a death of 10 hours that looks like a cytokine storm right after a vaccine. They won't say it. And yet we now already have tens of thousands of reports of death to the CDC from the vaccines, despite the fact that doctors are terrified of doing so. And nothing like that has ever happened in the world before. We used to get an average of more or less than 100 reports of death a year from all vaccines. Most of them, like flu, would get no reports or measles reports of death. And within a few months, we had 4,000 reports of death. And now it's over 25,000 reports. Nothing ever seen like this. The CDC pays no attention. Whereas in the past, if you had 10 deaths, you were yeah. probably going to take it off the market. Yeah. We are in a horror show 
never before seen of denial, suppression, repression, while Americans and worldwide people are being killed by improper treatment of these disorders, the, the pandemics, and also by the vaccines themselves. It's a cat- catastrophe. Well, we have you back on. Um, we'll talk part two of this book and go through the particular charges um, against Fauci, who I think um, organized this. I mean, I, I know he did with Gates and the the decade of vaccines, so-called. Um, and I want to go through this charges very specifically because we may well, I think we're going <laughs> to see Jubilee in the country. I think we're going to see People are coming back to the Lord and, and God is watching this, Dr. Bregan. He is watching intently. Um, I think there's going to be an opportunity to rescue the United States based upon what they've done to people. But that rescue can't happen unless we get the regulatory agencies under control and unless we punish everybody involved with this. The book is called COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey. It's Dr. Bregan's book. It's linked in our Substack notes. It's linked in the podcast here. Um, and Dr. Bregan, just as we talked uh, off, I'm an old radio guy off the air. Um, we've talked a bit on our show about the travels we made through adolescent mental health. I don't, I don't give a lot of details. It's my daughter's story to tell, but it's a family travel. Uh, you've meant so very much to us as a man who's helped people uh, get off yeah. of these, uh, these pills uh, that pharma knows are addictive. So I would just tell you on behalf of my wife, um, we, we're just thankful for you. She would uh, probably fall into tears were she here to see you face to face. And so we'll talk again um, in a couple of weeks. Please buy the book, uh, do your homework, understand, Stands bravery when you see it and um, give my best to your wife. And I just ask you, uh, as I ask all my guests to just uh, please go with God's good grace. And, and doctor, we'll be just praying for you. Thank you. And you too. God bless you and your family. Thank you. And our listening audience. Absolutely. This is the Todd Herman show. Now, please do go be well, be strong and be kind. Oh, and as always, yes, do, do be right with God.